Well, good morning. It's great to be with you in this uh, summer morning. It's great to be able to be at St. Luke's and then run up here and, and get to do church all over again and have, have uh, more joy and more fellowship. Uh, let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord, help us to grow in wisdom and truth and grace shaped by your word as your spirit works in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, how many of you have got your uh, wisdom teeth? Uh, any of you got one of those excellent wisdom beards, the sort of the long flowing one? The... Okay. Um, what about a wise owl? Any of you a wise owl? Or maybe you're wise like an oak. See, we have these traditions about wisdom in our culture, and it's often linked to old age. Old things seem to get wiser. Well, that's the ideal. Um, Not always the reality. Um, And there's also this thing about eyesight. You know, an owl can see in the dark, and so wisdom is about having insight and and seeing things. And, And these kind of traditions dance around the idea of what wisdom is. See, wisdom is more than intelligence... Intelligence, you you know stuff. That's my technical definition, you know stuff. Um, Wisdom is about applying stuff that you know. It's it's putting it together with experience and insight and, and being practical with it. Living it out in a balanced way. And and when you do that, it leads to good for you and it leads to good for those around you in the community. See, that's wisdom. It has a practical outworking. And If you've got sufficient memory in this summertime heat to remember two weeks ago, Peter opened this series on summer blessings and said that a blessing is something good from God. And he pointed out that in the Old Testament, often there's an emphasis on material blessings like crops or wealth or offspring. And in the New Testament, there uh, comes an increased focus on spiritual blessings like forgiveness and peace and eternal life secure in Christ. And what we see today in the Proverbs passage is both of these things. Uh, And what we want to do is develop in wisdom and we understand that there will be blessings that come with that and they'll be both material and spiritual. But there's a caution we need to make right up front. Blessings are not prizes to be pursued Blessings are not things you can seek for selfish reasons. Um, Imagine uh, if you've ever used a dating site or ever placed a a dating ad in the classifieds. You say, I'm looking for a give-and-take relationship. I'd like you to give because I'm going to do all the taking. And now turn that around and apply it to God. God, I'd like you to give me all the blessings because I'm going to take them for myself. And that's our relationship. Sound like a good relationship? No, no. So blessings and wisdom are expressions of a covenant relationship of love and commitment and faithfulness. They're not prizes. They're not sort of bonus rewards for Christians who do extra well. God loves you, his children. God wants to bestow his goodness, his good gifts on you. And it's not because of you being better than anyone else. It's because of love. It's because of you in that relationship. Now, we need to think about uh, Proverbs and recognize that it's a form of poetry at this point. 
And it, it uses uh, paired verses. And so all the odd-numbered verses give an instruction. And that alternates with the even-numbered verses uh, that have a consequence that usually flows from following that. And that happens all the way from verse 1 through to verse 12. And so we're going to step through those wisdom ways, those instructions and those wisdom's blessings. And then what we're going to do is reflect on how wisdom is actually fulfilled. We'll be looking at the fulfilment of wisdom in verses 13 to 18. So first up, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Now, growing in wisdom takes effort, takes concentration, it takes application. Don't forget it. Keep my commands. And the teaching and the commands here, they are the same word as used for the law of God, the Torah. And in Deuteronomy 4, for example, Israel is to embody Torah, the law, the teachings, in order to show God's wisdom to the nations. And in Deuteronomy 6, parents are to teach Torah, this law, this teaching, to their children. So they grow up in wisdom and in the law. So we're not doing something different in Proverbs, in the wisdom literature, to what we're doing in the opening books of the Bible, the law books. God, though, isn't dry or abstract. We're not learning laws and rules as if that's wise. Notice how often heart is mentioned. Verse 1, don't forget my teaching, keep my commands in your heart. And verse 3, write them on the tablet of your heart. So you don't get wise by just knowing stuff, by accumulating head knowledge only. Wisdom is heartfelt. Wisdom, people of wisdom have empathy. They have compassion. Their hearts are engaged with other people and with the world and with God. And notice also in verse 3, it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Those of you who know your Bibles should be attuned to some of these special phrases like love and faithfulness. And it might set off sort of reminder bells in your head because love and faithfulness is something very important in Exodus. Moses said to God in Exodus 34, show me your glory. And God, in response, caused a physical manifestation of his glory to appear to Moses. And accompanying that was his kind of autobiography. He said, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So the love and faithfulness, that is never to leave you, is the love and faithfulness of the Lord God who loves you and saves you. And that love and faithfulness should express itself in your life to those around you to show wisdom. And we next come to the most famous verses, I suspect, in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. And we'll leave the... Uh, the, the uh, outcome of that to the next little section. Now, it's, it's actually hard to trust today. We live in a really cynical age. Do you trust your politicians? To trust the salesman at the used car yard? To trust leaders? Do you trust anyone, really? You know, abuse and uh, corruption has happened so widely that, that most of us have got pretty thick skins now and pretty big barriers, and, and we, we tend not to actually let down our guard for much anymore. 
But if you refuse to lay down your cynicism and your self-protective armour before God, you'll never grow in his wisdom. Because what happens when you set up that armour is you're saying, I am the measure of righteousness. I am the measure of truth. I am the centre of the universe and everything has to meet my needs or I'm not going to open up to it. And that is the sin of Adam and Eve. They wanted to be wise and choose for themselves what was good and evil. They would not surrender to God. They would not submit to him. They would not lean on him. They leant on their own understanding. But trusting God, it takes faith. It's not blind faith. It's not a leap in the dark because God has shown in every page of the Bible how trustworthy and loving and true and good and gracious he is. So you can trust God. You need to trust God to grow in grace and wisdom and truth. And this trust, this submission to God to grow in wisdom needs humility. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Again, hear the echoes of uh, Genesis 3 because the, uh, the, the tempter, the evil one, was, was saying, look at, through your own eyes. Look at what's pleasing to you. Look at what you want and make that the focus of your attention. But Proverbs says wisdom doesn't start with yourself. It starts with God and his ways. And so elsewhere in Proverbs, to shun evil, it includes really practical things like avoiding gossip. Proverbs 11 and Proverbs 20, it involves telling the truth. Proverbs 12, who would have thought? Wisdom and truth go together. Valuing friendship. Proverbs 27, working hard in business. That's practical wisdom. Proverbs 10, Proverbs 31, preferring slow gain to a dishonest quick buck. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 13. See, Proverbs is intensely practical, but it's not, it's not rules in abstract or principles in abstract. It's about living the covenant life of being in God and being in his family. And what we see in the, uh, the next few verses is how practical Proverbs can be in relating to wealth. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. See, honouring God with our wealth is wise because, as Jesus said, you can't worship God and money. One is always going to prevail. And I know for myself, the messages I get from all around me are all about having financial security, which is another way of saying make money number one. And so my antidote to that message is to be generous and to give consistently to Christian ministry and to Christian mission. And to make that my first priority and to remind myself as I give that I trust in the Lord, not in wealth. I give because God has given me everything. And the final instruction in verse 11, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Now that's a surprise because we're talking about blessings and suddenly we're talking about discipline and rebuke. But think about it. Whoever became wise by living in the lap of luxury and never having a care in the world. 
See, it's actually in the setbacks. It's in the challenges. It's in the unexpected losses and heartaches that we grow and become wise. God uses what we initially perceive to be painful experiences. He uses that to build up our character and our resilience and our faith and our wisdom. And paired with that is the fact that we're still sinners. We act foolishly at times. We fall into sin. But if we're reading the Bible regularly, if we're engaged with God's word, if we're surrounded by people and talking to people about what we're reading in God's word, then it's going to be a normal practice for us to feel rebuked by that word or by a, a, a carefully chosen word from a friend. And those rebukes are wise and good because they help us to grow and see the sin that we'll close our own eyes to. So those are wisdom's ways, living by God's law, showing love and faithfulness, trusting God more than your own intelligence, cultivating humility, reverencing God, shunning evil, honouring God with your money and growing through the tough times. Now let's jump back and have a look at the even-numbered verses and we'll see there are blessings that flow from this kind of life. Verse 2, a longer life peace and prosperity. Verse 4, enjoying favour and a good reputation in society and with God. Verse 6, God with you at work in your life journey, making your path straight, keeping you from crooked choices and destinations. Verse 8, a healthy body, strong bones. Verse 10, overflowing barns and wine vats. I actually don't have a barn or wine vat, so I guess this doesn't apply. Uh, Verse 12, knowing God's fatherly love in the midst of challenges, discipline and rebuke. Now, I was being a little bit flippant about my barns and vats. We're Australians. We've got it better than 98% of the world. Our barns and vats are overflowing. And God promises, look, verse 2, peace and prosperity. Who's heard of the prosperity gospel? Is that what I'm preaching? No, you have to wait two weeks. Uh, I'm not sure. Is it Shannon or Peter who's going to be doing that sermon? You're going to do it at St. Luke's and Peter's going to do it here. Maybe we'll record both and you can compare. (laughs) (laughs) Blessings and prosperity. I just want to say reading God's word wisely requires that we respect the different material we find in God's word, the different literature that's there. And it's not the case that if you live wisely, God will take away all trials and hardships from your life and give you perfect health and wealth and happiness. That doesn't tally with my experience. I suspect it doesn't tally with yours. And I suspect you know Christians who are godly, beautiful, loving people who have fallen ill, who've lost their job, who've struggled with finances, whose relationships haven't worked out. And it wasn't because they lacked faith and it wasn't because they weren't wise. See, tough times do come, and they're not proof that God isn't loving you or blessing you. What we see in Proverbs is principles and not ironclad promises. This is a truth that is generally applicable, and and it holds in the community as a whole, because what's happening is the author here is painting a picture of life restored. You know, without the curse of sin, if God's people followed... God's laws and ways, and if they lived wisely, the community as a whole would be healthier and wealthier and more at peace. 
And so it's good advice to follow these forms of wisdom and seek to live wisely because it will make for happier homes and and satisfaction in your work and in your public life. That's true at a community level. And I think those of you who've been through those tough times of, of difficult experiences with your health or loss or those things, if you're surrounded by a Christian community, you still experience God's blessing because they carry you through that. So while you personally are struggling, at the community level, God is still at work. So don't disrespect God by saying, here are my good deeds. Here's what I've done for you, God. Where are my blessings? That's not a relationship. That's a commercial transaction. or, or, or that, that, That's a form of abuse, actually, to sort of approach relationships as give and I take. Let's be honest. I'm a sinner. I stand before God totally bankrupt. I have nothing. But God loved me. Jesus died for me. And that is the source of every good thing I have. So any blessings we have are gifts of grace. Nothing more, nothing less. And we see that particularly in the final section of Proverbs because we, we get uh, from this sort of alternating uh, promise and uh, uh, instruction and an outcome, we, we get now a different kind of poetry where uh, what's happening is wisdom is being personified as a beautiful woman. This woman of wisdom is good to meet. She is rewarding to know. She is peaceful to be with. She gives life and blessing to those who go with her. Read it again. Verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She is more profitable than silver. She yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And those who hold her fast will be blessed. It's interesting, desire for money is a uh, powerful driver and the, the writer taps into that. You know, stock traders invest their life savings or more often other people's life savings in order to get rich. But it says wisdom is better than riches, verse 15. Uh, one Old Testament scholar put it like this, money can put food on the table but not fellowship around the table. Money can give you a house but not a home. Money can put clothes on your body and jewellery around your neck, but it cannot give you love. See, Proverbs teaches us that wisdom brings deeper blessings. Yeah, there are changes in our material circumstances, and wisdom, I think, as we've said, generally will foster happy homes and loving marriages and, and treasures that are intangible. They can't be measured by marketplace prices. But wisdom is more satisfying than wealth. So there's more here than, than just wealth. And when we get to this kind of section in the Old Testament, it's really good to ask a, a 2 Timothy question, a 2 Timothy 3.15 question. Who knows their memory verses? How does this scripture make us wise for salvation? What do you think? This makes us wise for salvation because wisdom is ultimately not an idea or a virtue. 
Wisdom is a person. Think about it. Israel as a nation and even Israel's best kings, David and Solomon the wise, they didn't perfectly live out wisdom. They chased other blessings, other sources of blessings. They put their trust in military might or or they turned to foreign gods to bring peace and bountiful harvests. We're no different. We chase things promoted on TV or in social media or in the magazines. We, we get infected by this version of the good life that's all around us and we forget that God is the only true source of good. But think about Jesus, the wise one. Think about his perfect sinless life, his love and generosity and sacrifice. And that pretty much sums up every aspect of wisdom that you could name. The opening of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, explains that the world in its wisdom has been seeking after power and privilege and prestige. And what did Jesus do? He turned his back on all those things and he died. And his death on the cross looked like foolishness. But instead, It was the power and wisdom of God to bring about the ultimate blessing. New life, new beginning, forgiveness, peace, joy for you and I. So think about 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greek look for wisdom, Aussies chase the Aussie dream, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks and Aussies in the 21st century, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's because of him, because of Jesus, that you are in Christ Jesus. And he is for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and our redemption. So how do you read Proverbs 3 with a 2 Timothy 3 perspective? You read it pointing to Jesus and know that the wisest thing that you or I can do is to trust our lives to Jesus. The surest blessing in life that you can know is relationship with Jesus as your saviour and your Lord. Nothing compares to gaining Jesus. No riches, no fame, no achievements, nothing comes close. Walking with Jesus is the greatest blessing in life. As Proverbs 3.15 says, Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. You can chase wealth or fame or security or comfort or adventure or anything and everything else that the world offers. And it's like scrabbling on your hands and knees for crumbs of stale bread. You just lift your eyes and you'll see Jesus standing there saying, come to my banquet and there is a table laden with the richest food that you can imagine. When you grab hold of Jesus, like your life depends on it, those other things, they don't matter. They take on a different significance. Now, I'm not saying we need to be hermits. You don't need to reject all material goods. You don't need to go around in camel's hair clothing and eat locusts and wild honey, although maybe that's the latest food trend. (laughs) Wisdom is peace and wholeness and harmony. And wisdom helps us know our place before God, to know that we are sinners. We have fallen short of his glory, but Jesus stands in our place. 
Jesus is our wisdom and our righteousness and our peace. So thanks be to God for all his good gifts, for life and health and safety, and receive those good blessings as gifts of his grace to nourish you and encourage you to share with those around you on this journey of walking with Jesus. Our loving Heavenly Father is at work. The Lord Jesus is our King. He is the one who is the source of life in all its blessed abundance. That's what he came to do, to give it us life in all its fullness. So God, help us to grow in that wisdom, to live his way, to walk his way, and live that wisdom out for others. Amen.